If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 19. Uh, if you don't, the scriptures in the bulletin on page 6, there's a place to take notes on page 7. Um, we're going to look at passages in Exodus 19 through 24. Um, but before we do that, I just want to give us an introduction so we know why we're looking at what we're looking at. So, we're in a series. It's called The God Who Sees. Uh, and we've recognized, and we've seen in the last few weeks, that God sees us right where we are, just as we are. Okay, that's good news. That's really good news, because God cares. He draws near to us with His grace and His love. And we saw last week that the God who sees is also the God who speaks. Because God wants us to know exactly where we stand here. He doesn't want us to wonder if we've done enough. He doesn't want us to wonder how he feels about us. He's made it really, really clear. And we talked last week about justification. Justification is one of the things that God states. He makes it clear to us so that we can know where we stand with him. You can see this slide. This is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is one of the creole statements of our church. In the question 33, it says, what is justification? The answer is justification is an act of God's free grace where he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. There's a lot in that statement. I know it's long, but it says, it says everything that we need about justification. Right? It's his free grace. He pardons us. He accepts us as though we're righteous because of the righteousness of Christ imputed or given to us. And we receive that by faith. And so we saw last week in the slide, Romans 3, 24 and 25, we are justified. This is, the, this is where the confession gets a lot of its, of its definition. We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. And so this is good news. This is incredibly good news. God forgives. That God accepts us. That, that we can have a relationship with God, not because of what we do, but because of His love. This is great news. It's great news. Um, and it's interesting because in, in my life from last week, um, as we discussed this and studied this and talked about how to apply it to our lives, um, there were a lot of people that kind of had the sense of, yeah, I know this is true, and I'm thankful for it, but this doesn't really affect my daily life. You know, we were trying to think through, okay, well, so what's an area where we can apply this truth to you uh, this month? Like, as we study this and we walk in it, and, and it was kind of hard. Truth be told, it was kind of challenging for us to figure out, how do we take this truth and walk in it? Okay? And so, and it was interesting, because as I was reading this week, felt like I'm trying to answer this question, I'm praying for my group, and I could have sort of walked away from our meeting thinking, alright, I need to pray that God would help us understand how justification applies to our daily life. And then, dun dun dun, City Bible Reading with the Rescue. Right? We did City Bible Reading, and it was crazy. Like, this week, we read all about the law. Right? Exodus. We read Exodus 20. 25. Can you pull up the next slide? Here's what it was. On Monday, we read Exodus 20, which has the Ten Commandments. Right? Then Exodus 21, more commandments. And then Exodus 22, more commandments. Exodus 23, more commandments. And then Exodus 24 was a covenant renewal service, a covenant service with God. And 
I thought it was interesting because it made me think, okay, we're talking about justification, and now we're reading all these laws. Laws about this, laws about that, laws for all of life, like all the different areas of life. And I thought, how does justification fit with God's commands? Right? That's the question I want to think through. How does justification fit with God's commands? Because justification says we are saved apart from anything that we do. Right? Justification, God declares us forgiven and righteous based on nothing that we've done. And so justification means that we're saved by Jesus' work. Then why all the commands? What do we do with all these commands? And as I read these chapters, I saw something profound. And I want to share with you. I want to show you what I saw because I think it will help you understand how being justified by faith fits in with what it means to live under the commands of God. Okay? And so, like I said, chapter 20, it has the Ten Commandments. 21 and 23 have a lot more commandments, but I want to show you what comes before Exodus chapter 20. And so look in your, in, your, uh, in your bulletin there on page 6. In your bulletin on page 6, we've got Exodus 19, verses 3 to 6. And I want you to read this with me, because this comes before the Ten Commandments. It says, The Lord called to him, that's Moses, out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, so I want you to see this and understand the scene. Israel is at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses, uh, they're, they're there so that they can meet with God. Right? Remember the Exodus? God said, let my people go that they may serve me. Right? That they may worship me. Well, here it is. This is why. This is the whole point. God brought them out there to meet with him. And so God calls Moses up the mountain to give up a message for the people. And before God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, God tells them. He says in verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Right? This is how you got here. This is why you're here. It's because I redeemed you. I brought you out. This happens before God gives the commands. Okay? It happens before God gives the commands. And, and what's interesting is that we're going to see that the exact same thing happens when God gives the commands. Because look at Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. It's there in your bulletin. I kind of shortened it down just because uh, there's a lot more detail in there, but just, just for the sake of our time. Exodus 20, verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. And so verses 3 to 17, these are the Ten Commandments. 
I want you to look again at verse 2. Again at verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So we see the same thing. We see the same thing. That God's promise comes before. Right? God's redemption comes before God gives them commands. Okay, and so what's the, what's the lesson here for us? Uh, I think what this is, is this is teaching us that in the Old Testament, justification worked the same exact way. It worked the same way. Justification comes before the commands. Justification comes before the commands. Okay, so when it comes to the Ten Commandments, the Exodus comes first. The Exodus comes first. And so what does this mean? This means that the commands don't save us. Commands do not save. Obeying God's commands does not save. We're not saved by obeying. Salvation happens before we obey. Salvation happens before we obey. Okay, so I want to show you something. Next slide. Okay, so many people think faith plus the Ten Commandments equals the Exodus. Right? Israel, you've got to believe in God, you've got to obey the commands, and then God will save you. Right? If that's what you think, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's not what the text says, right? Here's what the text says. It says, faith equals the Exodus plus the Ten Commandments. Okay? It's not faith and obey, and then I'll bring you out. It's trust me, follow me, I will bring you out, and then I will give you the commandments. Are you with me? So we can say it a different way. Next slide. It's not Exodus 12, which is called faith of Passover, plus Exodus 20, equals Exodus 13 to 19. Okay? How many of you have ever done that? You read chapter 12, and then you jump to chapter 20, and then you go back to chapter 13 to 19. Right? That makes sense, right? Doesn't make sense. Friends, it doesn't make sense. I just want you to hear it over and over and over again that we are saved before we obey. Okay, the Exodus comes before the commands. Okay? The Exodus comes before the commands. Oh, look at that. Here it is. Exodus 12 comes, and then Exodus 13 to 19, and Exodus 20. Are you with me? It's good news. It's good news. Why? Question? Yes. That looks like a math question, I don't know. like that. So we're struggling because I was a math major. I was a math major in college, so this this feels good to me. Right? All the right brainers are with me. All the left brainers are like, give us the diet. Come on, let's see a visual. Maybe I'll show you around later. Okay, um, next slide. So let's just bring it down so that we understand in the new covenant how this works, how this translates. It's not faith plus obedience equals justification. If you want to be right with God, it's not believe and obey, and then God will save you. 
Okay, what the gospel says. The gospel says you trust Jesus, and then God will save you, and then go to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you know what happens? If this obedience is on this side of the equation, friends, it is never enough. It's never enough. You will never, ever feel like you've obeyed enough. You will find people who haven't obeyed as much as you, and that might make you feel good for a while. But you will, the closer you get to God, the, the harder it is to feel like you've done enough because you appreciate what his standards are. But the gospel says it's faith equals justification plus obedience. One author put it this way in his book. One more slide. This is the title of the book. Jesus plus nothing equals This is how the gospel works. Jesus plus nothing plus everything. God says, I know you're trapped. I know you're in bondage. Or I just, I know that you're not perfect. And so I've come to save you. And if you will trust in my son, if you'll follow Jesus, nothing more, you will have everything. This is God's extravagant good news. This is why it's good news. So, if you're here today and you, know, you don't believe in Jesus yet, you need to understand this. It's so easy. So many people, especially non-Christians, think that Christianity is about do's and don'ts. And if you do enough of the do's and don't do enough of the don'ts, then you're good. But that's not the gospel. That's not the message of Jesus. Jesus says, come to me if you're tired and you're sick and you're frustrated and you're at loose ends and I will give you rest. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Now, I also know, I also know that some of you are thinking, oh, okay, I get this. I've heard this before. Uh, I think this is cool, but how does this apply to my daily life? Right? This is about when I started following Jesus, right? I see the answer is no. This is not just about when you started following Jesus. You might not think that you were saved by your good works, but if you're anything like me, your good works can become a measure of how you are doing in God's pleasure meter. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. Because if Jesus plus nothing equals everything, then where does our obedience fit in? Like where do we find a place? Like why do we talk about obedience? Why all the commands in the Bible? Right? Our text answers that question. Let's look at the next passage in the bulletin. Exodus 24, verses 3 to 5. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. 
and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Okay, so this is a scene where Israel responds. And they respond to God. They, they hear his word. They hear his laws. They are reminded of this promise that they've been redeemed. And they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And these words went along with the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. Okay? Now, you might not remember the sermon I preached on Leviticus a few weeks ago. But uh, in the burnt offering, the burnt offering meant, anybody remember? What does a burnt offering mean? Offerings. Perfect. That's the full definition. What's the one word? Consecration. consecration. Right? So it's consecration, which means you've already made your sin offering, you've already been forgiven, now you can give your whole life to God. Right? Now you consecrate yourself to God. And so these words. What's going on here is Israel is committing all of their lives to God. They are consecrating themselves before the Lord. They are saying, Lord, we love you. You have saved us, and we are going to follow you. So we are amazed, and we are responding. We're consecrating. God, you are everything that we're about. Our whole lives, Lord, we're going to follow you. That's what they're saying here. They are offering themselves as a burnt offering. They're consecrating themselves. Friends, this is what our obedience is. This is obedience in the Christian life. This is the obedience that God asks for. It's consecration. Obedience is consecration. Now think about this. Could Israel have obeyed God perfectly? No. No, I don't even think they made it for the next 20 minutes. Like in 20 minutes, they were falling short. Um, they knew that. God knew that. And yet, still, they had peace. They had peace because they offered burnt offerings uh, in verse 5, and they sacrificed peace offerings of oxen. Peace offerings. Right? They got a meal with God. That's the significance. It's communion. They commune with God. God said, here's my law. God said, I've redeemed you. God said, here's my law. Israel said, yes, yes, Lord, we love you. God said, let's have dinner. Let's have dinner. That's the next step. Look at the next verses. Verse 9 to 11. Then Moses and Aaron made out the Bible, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. Wow. Wow, you're right. Thank you. Man, sad day when we stop saying wow in the scriptures. And he did not lay his hand on the chief, of the, uh, the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God. Peace offering. It's God saying we are family. And so friends, obedience is consecration. 
obedience is consecration. And as imperfect, as imperfect as your obedience is, God will accept it and give you peace. Can you receive that today? As imperfect as your obedience is, God receives it and gives you peace. As imperfect as your obedience is, God receives it and he gives you peace. Friends, this might be, this is really good news. <laughs> this is really, really, really good news. Because if we were to offer obedience before redemption, right, before God saved us, if we were to offer obedience, it'd be like trying to jump across the Grand Canyon. Okay? No matter how far you go, you're not going to get across. Your obedience, your best efforts will not get you there. And God will sadly, God, I mean, God says, if you want to come to me based on my perfect standard, no one will make it. Your obedience is never good enough. But once I've saved you, everything changes. Once you're my child, everything changes. Our obedience is our consecration, and God receives it, no matter how imperfect it is. Okay? You cannot obey perfectly. You never can, you never will, but God receives your imperfect obedience, and friends, He is delighted by it. He is delighted by it. If you have children, or if you know someone who has children, when they're young, they like to make stuff for their parents. They like to do artwork. Now, I'll probably get shocked for this, but their artwork is some of the ugliest artwork you've ever seen, right? You can't even look at it. So, this is impressionistic. My kids are like, what's impressionistic, Dad? Like, it's a, it's a bird. You know, like, how, you know, like, it doesn't look like anything, right? Or then they get a little bit older, and oh, I can see the legs, I can see the arm, I can, right? It doesn't look like anything. It's not a masterpiece. And yet, like, shame on me for even saying that out loud, right? <laughs> shame on me, because I know that when it was Jamie, when it was Nathan, when it was Amanda, when it was Ryan who presented me with this, I wasn't lying when I said it was beautiful. Right? I wasn't making that up. I really thought this is amazing because it's an expression of who they are. It's an expression of, their, of who they are, and it's appropriate to their age. Right? And I judged this and received it and delighted it because it was this amazing expression of who they are at that age. Friends, that is our Father. That is our Father in heaven who receives our imperfect obedience, delights in it, and gives us peace. Can you receive this today? Do you believe that this is how God feels about you? Is what the texts are saying. Is what the text is what your Father in heaven wants you to know. And so, this is different from the way your earthly father treats you. This is different from the way that your earthly mother may treat you. Right? I understand this. I understand it, and it's hard because sometimes the only image that we have are our earthly parents, and their obedience is imperfect. And sometimes it's downright evil. But God in heaven is not like them. God in heaven is like this. God in heaven hears you say, 
all the words of the Lord, we will do. And God doesn't laugh and cynicism and go, yeah, wait till 20 minutes from now. But that's not what God says. God says, I see your heart. I know what you're I know that you're trying. Your imperfect obedience isn't done right to me. Can you receive this? something to do with the fact that we've lost sight of justification. Because what justification says, justification is an act of God where he pardons our sins and accepts us as righteous because Jesus was righteous, not us. And justification is the truth of scripture that says, you know what? You cannot meet the standard. Jesus can and did. Okay, Jesus met the standard and he did it for you. I think what happens, here's what I think happens, and I don't think we do this, we're not trying to do this, but this is what happens. Practically speaking, we act as though the standard that we have to meet is the perfect standard. Moms, are you with me? Like, we act like if our kids act up, then somehow we're doing it wrong. And dads, too, right? Take your kids out. I mean, this is, when you think about your relationship with your kids, why do my kids continue to fight with each other? Like, why do they, I mean, how is it that they can say the most cruel and inhumane things, right? Right after we have Bible time. In the middle of Bible time. Right? I react to that as though that's my fault because I'm doing it wrong. Moms can react like, you know what, this must be my fault. It must be because I'm doing it wrong. It's just not true. It's just not true. It's not true. God says you can't meet the standards. You cannot meet the standards. You cannot be perfect. And the other thing about this is, like, think about it from this perspective. Even if you are perfect, it doesn't mean that these things won't happen. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to be perfect. How do I know that? Well, because I think about parenting, when I look for biblical examples, I look at Jesus with the disciples. 
Right? Parenting is like a discipleship relationship. You're discipling the children, right? You're raising them up so that they can walk with Jesus, walk closer to him. You're trying to help develop them so that they can become spiritually mature enough to stand on their own, right? Well, that's what Jesus did with the 12. Jesus, who never sinned. Jesus, the perfect discipler, right? The perfect disciple maker. Jesus, who spent crazy amounts of time with these folks, right? You with me? Jesus, the perfect one. And then he is betrayed, and they all run away. They all run away. And one of them even swears he doesn't know. That's the perfect discipler. Okay, so there's two ways, moms, to find relief. Like the one is that even if you were perfect, it could be that it's your kids and not you. <laughs> It's okay for you to say that. It's okay for you to believe that. Your kids will continue to grow if you blame their immaturity on their immaturity. <laughs> Can you receive that? So it might be that it's not you, it's them. But even if you were perfect, I mean, so, but, but, so besides that, it could be that it's them. And you know what? I would go so far as to say 98% of the time, it is them. It is them. It's not you. It's not that you have failed. It's that they are growing. Okay? In addition to that, I think, I think that especially in our culture, in our day and age, we have standards that we hold ourselves to that are so high, they are unachievable. They are unachievable. This goes on with parenting. This goes on in marriage. This goes on with work. Right? This goes on in relationships. Where if we're not at this level, I mean, like, go think about last week with righteousness, right? Health-wise, how you doing? Food-wise, how you doing? Exercise-wise, how are you doing? Time management-wise, how are you doing? Are you being effective at work? How's that going, right? In your family, with your neighbors. I mean, I can put enough guilt on all of us to make us all feel like, let's just give up. <laughs> because you are justified by Christ, you need, I'm as your pastor, I want to call you to lower the standard that you expect of yourself. Okay, because the perfect standard has been met by Jesus. The perfect standard has been met by Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to add to that. He's already done it. And you don't have to, like, not be satisfied until you hit that standard in his spirit. Okay, God has given you a spirit. We're going to talk all about that in the coming months. We're going to talk about the power that works in us, the same power that raises from the dead. We're going to talk about the fact that you have a new heart. You can obey. You can follow Jesus. You can do it. You can do it. You really can't. Because you have everything that you need for life and godliness. And yet, and yet God does not hold over you a standard. And if you don't measure up to it, he's not happy. Okay? In your daily life, God does not expect you to be perfect. The, um, the thing I read to you about when we got started, this woman who said parenting is hard. Lots of important jobs are hard. Why do we think it's harder? It's not that we're not perfect. It's, we're just not 
She also said, uh, this whole thing was a post about Carpe Diem, you know, seize the day. And she's like, this sounds so good, but I hate it. Because I can't seize the day. I can't seize 15 minutes in a row with my kids. She says, you know what? If I have one moment in the day where I've actually stopped and I, and I like, connect with one of my kids, that's success for me. I think that's the reality that we need to move into. Because I don't think God wants us constantly looking at how far short we've fallen. I think God wants us to live in the confidence that we have peace with Him. And that God sees our efforts. He knows our hearts. He knows our hearts are not perfect, but He knows that we're trying, and He is pleased with our efforts. I think from the perspective of our daily lives, you to be pleased with your efforts. Just know, I mean, how many times have you prayed, God, I'm sorry I fall short, but I'm trying. I, I felt like that this morning. Man, Lord, I didn't expect these things to happen. I'm not anywhere prepared. I, God, this is so not what I wanted it to be. Um, and I went outside, I went into our storage closet in the garage, and I just went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need to give you my heart before I worship, before I leave anybody else. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I failed. I'm doing the best I can, and I know you're pleased with that. And so I'm going to rest in that. Thank you for your peace. Now send me to lead your people in worship. Justification in particular can help us. I think if when you feel discouraged, when you feel like a bad parent, when you feel like you're a failure, um, I think that you should get confirmation from someone who knows you and loves you. Okay? Here's what I mean. I think if you think you're a bad parent, or if you think you're a bad employee, or if you think, I mean, like, I want you to write down the areas where you think you're a failure, where you don't feel secure in those areas. And then I want you to go to someone who knows you and loves you, and I want you to ask them, say, look, I need you to be honest with me because our trust is at stake. Do you think I'm a failure, and why? If that person says, yes, I do think you're failing, then God is revealing an area that you can work on. That you, I mean, it sounds like you might have to do some intensive work praying and seeking the Lord and trying to go on that area. My guess is, my guess is that nine times out of ten, that person's going to tell you, no, you're not a failure. And you're just going to argue with them. <laughs> yes, I am. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah I am, because of this, this, and this. And they're going to tell you, no, it's actually not as bad as you think. Actually, it was pretty good. Like, what you did was great. And, and you're going to feel this compulsion to argue with them. This is what we do. This is what, the, this is what Satan does. Satan takes the good truth of Jesus meeting the standard and he sticks it back on us. And he says, no, 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 you've got to meet it. Yeah, yeah, Jesus forgave your sin, but God doesn't like you. 
hey, he loves you. He doesn't, he, he, he's got to love you. He doesn't like you. <laughs> so you have God's love. But until you do, you, then God won't like you. <laughs> and, this, and we believe it. We believe it. I mean, we, we believe it. We do. We think that our imperfect obedience is not pleasing to God. And so, I, I really, I want you to do this. So I want you to ask a friend, and I want you to, to do your best to try to believe your friend. Because I think in that time, at that point, your friend is probably speaking on behalf of your Heavenly Father. I think. I think that if you can get to a place where you can really believe this, where you can really apply justification to your daily life in this way, by knowing that God is pleased with your imperfect obedience, by reducing and lowering the standard that you hold yourself to, because Jesus has already met the big one, so this is why you're free to do that, okay? If you can do that, I think it'll change everything about the way that you relate to God's commands. It'll change everything about the way you relate to all the good works that you do, because you know what? You will be You'll be free to love your Heavenly Father. But you don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder. You just be able to like receive. You think, Lord, this is the best I got. And I'm not going to pretend. Like, I want to grow. You know, like, I, I mean, this isn't like what happens here is like what, what transpires in the love. And as you love God, man, of course you're going to grow. But I mean, you're going to grow for the right reasons, right? You're going to grow. Oh, in the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. All of your obedience will be done by freedom. And that's the path that I want all of us to walk in as a church. That's what we want to get to this month. As we study this together, as we go deeper in our life groups, praise God for really, truly justifying us in Jesus. Being excited about who we are in perfect obedience. Let's pray. And now look to me and receive God's benediction. The Savior is at rest. The Savior looks on you with delight. Let God's face shine upon you and go in the freedom that you have to serve your Maker. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.